Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. You can always find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, GoodPods. Whatever you listen to your podcast, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As for our social media, I am on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1, on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza, and on TikTok as Let's Talk Micro. So please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, leave a review if the app allows you to do so, and definitely leave any feedback on social media. I always like to post pictures of organisms and give updates as to when the next episode is coming out. So definitely any feedback, any suggestions, they are always welcome and appreciated. And you can always email me at letstalkmicro at outlook.com. And you can also, you know, you can censor your suggestions that way. So as always, thank you for listening. And this past weekend, I actually, I came from a conference in Florida, the First Coast Infectious Disease Symposium. And it was definitely very fun connecting to people, promoting the podcast. I definitely reached out to some of the of the presenters and some of them, they have agreed to be guests. So definitely stay tuned. A lot of good things coming your way. If you haven't checked out the previous episode of Let's Talk Micro, please go ahead and do so. It is the conclusion of a three episode series about bacillus. On the first two, I went over the groups of bacillus, you know, diseases, morphology, media. And on the last episode, I went I went ahead and went over bacillus anthracis. You know, I talked about anthrax, all the, you know, the types of anthrax that you have, you know, like inhalational, ingestion. I used terms, you know, and I reminded the students about terms that, you know, they, they have, they kind of need to remember and it will help them when they're taking an examination like the AACP. So definitely, you know, things like wool sorters and rag pickers. And, you know, bacillus anthracis has the potential of being used as a bioterror agent. So I talked about the laboratory response network, a little refresher on that, on biosafety levels. So all in all, it's a really good episode. I went over the motility testing, which is very important when you're dealing with bacillus anthracis, because bacillus anthracis is non-modal, whereas other bacillus, they are modal. So if you haven't checked out that episode, please go ahead and do so. And on today's episode, we are shaking things up a little. You know, I'm talking something within microbiology, but something a little bit different. Most of you might be familiar with a show called The Last of Us on HBO. Great show. You know, it is based on a game. I have never played it. But all in all, it's, it's well done. I love the stories, how the episodes, the visuals. It is a great show. And in that show, they refer to, you know, people are infected with cordyceps, which is a fungus. Well, actually, a, a large group of fungi. And they are infected and they become zombies. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to go ahead and talk about cordyceps. And as always, you know, things in this podcast, they're done in a responsible manner. So I went ahead and I brought a guest to talk about cordyceps. And his name is Dr. Andre Speck. And he is from the... Uh, Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. So he is an infectious disease doctor that deals with fungi. So he came to the podcast. You know, he talked about cordyceps, how it works. You know, does it infect humans? 
we also went over because the show talks about body temperature and like you know like fungi can infect us because of our body temperature so we went ahead and talked about that definitely great conversation with dr speck i hope you enjoy it the same way i did so it was fun talking about cordyceps and one thing that was very interesting was that he mentioned that he has seen cases of people infected with fungi that they can find any literature about that fungi infecting people before so that's that's something definitely very interesting and he talks about that and also uh he kind of you know talks about how fungi should definitely be given more importance which is something that i agree with so like i mentioned all in all a great episode and i hope you enjoyed so let's go ahead and listen to it so on today's episode i wanted to do something a little bit different i mean maybe some of you out there have been watching a show called the last of us and you have heard about cordyceps and maybe you're doing research and you want to learn more so i figured you know what why not do an episode about it just bring some information out there in a responsible manner so today i have a guest to talk about cordyceps his name is dr andre speck and he's a professor of medicine at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. All right, Dr. Speck, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Oh, well, nice to be here. Very, very excited to talk to you about uh, fungi. Definitely my pleasure. Um, so I kind of introduce you and I, and I talk about what you do. So you're a professor and then you're, you're part of the, the Washington University Infectious Diseases Division. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump right on it. Um, all right, so what kind of fungus is cordyceps? So uh, cordyceps is a, is a large group of fungi. There's over 600 species. Um, <clears throat> they're macrofungi or uh, in the ascomycete group, um, which means sac fungi. And they are um, uh, famous for the fact the endoparasites of arthropods. So mainly insects, but also some other arthropods. Okay, definitely. And that was something that I was, you know, I was reading about them being parasite and you mentioned, uh, you know, insects. So like, how does that work? What do they do their, to their host? Oh, they, they once they infect the host, uh, they slowly essentially replace more and more of the tissue of the host with their own mass. So basically they eat the host from the inside out. And when the host is uh, exhausted, uh, metabolically speaking, not, not physically exhausted, when there's very little tissue left to eat, they will um, hijack the behavior of the, fung of the host to go to a advantageous place where they kind of just dig in or the ants will often just like bite onto um, a blade of grass so that they can uh, and kind of freeze in place. And then the fungus will fruit uh, from there and create the, it looks like a cl little club that comes out in order to spread spores further and infect more and more fungi. Wow, that's just definitely very, very interested. They kind of use the word zombie because you say, you know, it takes over the organism yeah that's exactly what it is it's a it's a word that's used kind of loosely it doesn't create true zombies you know the, the ants don't go around biting one another in order to convert the infect the other uh ants uh but what they do is um 
they hijack the behavior, which is usually what we what that means by by turning them into zombies, uh, which we've seen uh, happen before with other endoparasites. Okay, and one thing you know, just to, for the audience to understand, because this is something that you know, like I see they talk about when they refer to the show, and I don't know, we kind of spoke that um, you haven't seen it, but as far as you know, they talk about body temperature. And one of the things that the premises of the show was that they said, well, because of our body temperature, cordyceps couldn't infect humans. And then um, as our body, you know, as, as the world gets warmer, then now they're infecting us. So what is that relationship about with body temperature and fungi? That's a great question. So um, fungi are kind of opportun they're opportunists. Very few fungi create these elegant, delicate relationships where they... They evolve back and forth uh, with a um, another species. They 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 work with multiple species. They consume what they can. Um, and one of the the biggest things that protects us from being killed by fungi is our body temperature. Uh, the vast majority of molds and yeast um, out there in the world are not capable of surviving at thirty seven degrees Celsius. Um, So you you know you grow them at 25, they're wonderful, they're doing great. Uh, you grow them at 37, they just don't grow. And so, what's really fascinating is that as we're having these extreme weather events, which are really more important than the actual overall temperature, they're creating bottlenecks in the evolution of fungi. And so, some fungi that used to be, um, you know, the average. 50% of them will survive at 22 degrees or now 50% of them are surviving at 27, which means that there's outliers in that population that are able to survive to 35, 36, 37. And uh, the more of these extreme weather events that we have, you know, like last year in the summer when north of France got to 44 degrees Celsius, which was just insane. It's never happened that we know of. Um, those kinds of events kind of create these bottlenecks. And what's really scary is that fungi are biochemical factories. Um, most many of our antibiotics, many of our antifungals, many of our chemotherapies come from fungi. And so there are also species that are highly resistant to any of the drugs we have. And there are fungi that are very good um, and have everything else that they need to pathogenize humans, but they just don't have the temperature tolerance. And so if we give them that through global warming and these extreme weather events, we might literally be brewing incredibly competent fungi. And to give you an idea of how important this is, uh, all across the ecosystems, there are hundreds, if not thousands of species that are undergoing collapses in their populations because of fungi. So frogs, salamanders, newts, they're being completely destroyed by fungi. Uh, the white nose bat syndrome, which is killing off whole colonies of bats and, and making uh, many species threatened, is a fungus. And it's all related to their lower body temperature. If you take an infected frog, you take it out of the uh, uh, cooler environment and you put it in a lab at about 37, 38 degrees Celsius, which the frog can handle for some, some amount of time, it's cured from the fungus. And so that is that fascinating change. And then people like me who, so I run a referral clinic for fungi. We, every now, every, I would say two or three times a year, I 
treat a new patient with a fungus that I cannot find to have caused disease in the human in literature. So we find cases of this is a fungus that normally digests plants or does something completely unrelated. Uh, you know, eats nematodes in the ground, that kind of stuff. It, this is a real proven infection in a patient. I have a couple of those every year. Those are not last of us kind of outbreaks where we're looking at, uh, you know, the whole collapse of the, the world society because of one fungus. But we are definitely seeing these rumblings of, of fungi that are becoming competent, presumably. It could be just that we're better at diagnosing them. Could be that we never really reported the other ones. But it isn't, to me, it's an alarming number. Um, yes, I can definitely see that. And, and just out of curiosity, I mean, so far, have they been treatable? So far, they have. Um, we have seen a lot more treatment. We've, we've seen them be treatable. The There are actually fungi right now that we've known for decades cause human disease that don't have a treatment. Um, so, you know, the, uh, fungi like Lamentospora prolificans, um, which can cause seriously invasive disease. They, it, I would argue that they do not have any therapy. Wow, this is definitely something, you know, to think about. I mean, we definitely... You know, as far as we're, we're so busy, you know, seeing how, how bacteria are, you know, getting resistant and sometimes, you know, it keeps increasing. And now that potentially comes into the mix where, you know, this fungi can start infecting us. It's something that, you know, gives us something to think about. And then you definitely, you know, you, you touch on the temperature. Um, I mean, as, as far as you know, can cordyceps infect humans or cause any sort of a disease or? I have never heard of a single case of a cordyceps causing human disease. I know we have, um, I actually don't know if they can cause any disease outside of arthropods. Um, they might, uh, again, because I'm not a cordyceps expert, uh, and it's a very large group of fungi, right? It's over 600 species, so there might be one. Uh, but they're predominantly specialized to arthropods. Um, and then I know we have been ingesting cordyceps for a very long time. Um, it's used in the kind of the herbal medicine uh, realm. I don't know if that has any side effects because that area is just not studied. So it might do something bad to people. It, it may do nothing. Um, I know we, I see it every now and then. Recently, I saw while walking through Whole Foods, a coffee substitute that was made from cordyceps fungi. So it's, a, it's like a ground cordyceps fungi that you're supposed to steep like coffee beans and drink like coffee and a colleague of mine picked it up and tasted it and said it tasted just absolutely horrid. Okay. I mean, that kind of, yeah, that jumped in mind when you mentioned that, I don't know, wasn't thinking that it will taste you know, that, that good or similar to coffee in that matter. Yeah. I would imagine it. I don't know why you would think it would taste similar to coffee, but nonetheless, they tried it. And um, according to my, uh, my colleague, it was horrendous. Wow. Okay. So if it's been used in some sort of way that you can ingest it right now, yeah, then, then it doesn't seems to doesn't cause harm to us. Probably, uh, you know, this is not necessarily studied and there might be some more subtle harms. It's not, it's not definitely, um, uh, something that we, it's definitely not going to kill you. It, like, it's not going to be like those fungi, like some of the, 
like the death caps and you know the the you know death angels kind of mushrooms where you eat it and then like you know three weeks later your liver turns into goo and you're dead uh but it it may have some more subtle side effects that we just don't know okay and uh is there anything else that you want to add about cordyceps or anything in general what i would say is that fungi are an incredible an incredible amount of pathology happens to humans and fungi and we diagnose it late uh we undertreat it we understudy it uh we under understand it um and it is incredibly important for the world for us to stop doing that and start to uh, learn more about them study them and uh be more familiar with them okay yeah it's so like like maybe like bacteria and viruses they they're given more importance as far as being studied and more research along those lines there's a there's a quote that i wish i was mine but i i i it's not uh, but i don't remember where it comes from uh that said that the antiquity belonged to the parasites and the past to the bacteria the present is viral but the future is all too fungal um and and as we We've we've done a very good job with parasites over the years. The parasites are still a problem. You know, I'm not going to say malaria is not an issue, uh, but we we have definitely decreased the proportion of humans that die of of um, parasites. And then we've done a lot better with bacteria because you know if you think about like the 1920s pre antibiotic era, we've done very you know people who have done died very had a very high mortality with things like pneumonia. Um, whereas with fungi, we we are moving the needle much slower. Uh, than we are with many of the other uh, diseases, infectious diseases. And the, the main reason for that is that fungi are, one, understudied and, and under-resourced. Uh, uh, but the other issue is that fungi are also eukaryotes. So it's very easy to make an antifungal. It's just very hard to make an antifungal that's not also good anti-human. So we... we spend a lot of our time working in that like more of a narrow uh, range of toxicity and so it, it ends up being a little bit uh of a harder task and that be that with it being a little under resourced is um is a bad combination um yeah and i can definitely even in my line of work when on more in a clinical lab you kind of see that where typically either you know it's you work with them and like in maybe in a large lab so it's more compartmentalize so i can definitely see what you're saying and understand it um well you know dr speck you know this has been so informative and and you know i learned so much so thank you so much for taking the time to uh coming into let's talk micro yeah it was my pleasure all right thank you so much every day And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Speck talk about cordyceps and fungi. Definitely a great episode and I enjoyed, I enjoyed sharing this information with you. Definitely, you know, shout out to all the people from the First Coast Symposium, all the organizers, presenters. You did a great job. I definitely had a great time. Great presenters, you know, great food great everything and it was just great connecting with microbiologists and 
and promoting Let's Talk Micro. So, thank you. As always, continue bringing that passion to what you do. It is very important. It will make you better at your job, and it's such a great job. As always, stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.